The truth about passive income investing, PII. That is what we're talking about today. Thank you, Neo, for sponsoring today's video. We're gonna talk about them a little bit later. I will just start things off by saying, we are not talking about the channel passive income investing in this video. There is a very popular channel here in the Canadian market by a fellow named Adrian, a good friend of mine, actually really, really like that guy. We're not talking about his channel, which happens to have the name passive income investing. We're talking about the overall strategy because this is one that you will get a lot of polarization on. People that buy into the passive income investing strategy, I have found over very recently, tend to be very cult-like. They're like a, you know, they're like a herd of people that, that live and die passive income investing. They think everyone on the other side sucks. And a lot of people looking in think that this passive income investing strategy sucks for a variety of reasons, which we're going to talk about today. We're going to go over the pros and cons. I'd love to hear what you guys think down in the uh, comment section below. If you guys enjoy uh, and what you guys think of this, very, very open to hearing opinions because I know this is going to be a, like I said, a polarizing one, but let's dive right on into this today. And I will start off by saying this, okay? First things first, if anybody out there tells you that there's one investment style or strategy, whether it's passive income investing, whether it's growth investing, whether it's small caps, options, I don't care what it is. If someone is up telling you that this is the best strategy for everyone, like, hey, I have found the best strategy and this is applicable to every single person out there, that is impossible. That is so, so wrong. And someone that says that should be, you should proceed with caution because there is no single investment strategy that works for every single person out there. I very much liken it to, if somebody came to me and said, well, Brandon, what is the best meal? Like I need to go prepare a meal for dinner or I need to go uh, you know, cook some food. What is the best meal? And of course, what a silly question that is when we think about it that way, because there are so many millions of good, delicious meals out there. Well, of course, this question can only be answered with some prerequisites in place. For example, asking the question, well, are you on a diet? Like, are you trying to lose weight? Because therefore there may be some very good meals for you. Are you somebody that's trying to gain weight? Like maybe you're a bodybuilder and you need to put on muscle. Well, then you're looking at a completely different batch of meals. Maybe you're a vegetarian and you can't eat certain things. Well, everybody's gonna have their own perfect meals out there. It's not to say that one meal is bad and that the food is bad and that it's a bad plate of food. Absolutely not. They can all be great for the specific purpose and for the specific person. Investing is no different than that. And there are so many different styles out there that may work with certain people. As a DIY investor, you have to determine, it's that the onus is on you to determine, well, what is that strategy that works best for me? Again, that's what we're gonna cover today. But um, what is PII investing? For those that maybe aren't entirely sure, and you may get this confused with dividend investing. I could be wrong in the way that I look at it, but I kind of see like dividend investing, which is something that I actually buy into quite a bit. But passive income investing or PII is a strategy that focuses on typically monthly or quarterly, but frequent uh, cash flow payments. Your investments are spinning you off a bunch of cash, a bunch of passive income. Oftentimes the way I differentiate this is PII, you're often looking for higher than average yields. So if the average dividend yield sits between maybe two, three, 4%, passive income investors will often try to go above and beyond that a little bit. Some again, more aggressive than others, but I typically say you could be looking at yields or dividends or distributions in the range of maybe five, six, 7%. You will see some on the higher end of the scale that look for dividends and distributions up in the 10% range. And as you know, on the channel, 
the higher the yield gets, that does come with some, some trade-offs, right? And we're going to talk about that. But when I talk PII, I'm looking here at the higher income uh, strategies for the most part. Oftentimes, what that comes with is in baking or embedding covered call strategies into your portfolio, maybe buying some funds that utilize a little bit of leverage uh, or Typically covered calls is really what we're seeing nowadays, which helps enhance that overall yield. And with a passive income investing strategy, one thing that is quite clear is the growth is not necessarily the priority. So within your portfolio, the, the value of your dollars is not aiming to grow all that much. In fact, in some cases actually decline, we are solely focused on spinning off that uh, passive income and generating as big of a cash flow into our portfolio as humanly possible. And that to me is how I would overview PII. If you guys have any adjustments that you think I should ha have to that um, terminology, feel free to leave them down below. But I wanna start by getting into the pros, then we'll talk about the cons, and then I'll give you some actually of my, my personal thoughts on this at the end. But number one, it goes without saying, when you have a strategy such as PII, you are looking to build a very reliable passive income stream. The name kind of says it, and I basically, this, this should be quite obvious, but a reliable passive income stream, in my opinion, is priority number one. And this is very important for people that opt to follow the strategy because this becomes very easily forecastable. It becomes very easy to calculate. In fact, you look at the people in the fire movement, you look at people that do buy into the strategy. They're often these very analytical data-driven people that love to keep their spreadsheets. They love to have their, their excels and they literally forecast out. Uh, they use tools or just do it themselves. You can forecast for the most part this month or this year. This is what my passive income is at. This is what I can expect in the month of July or in Q3, 2023, yada, yada, yada. There is a very reliable and predictable passive income stream, which is very important to a lot of people. This is what resonates with people. And I compare that to, for example, a hybrid strategy that I tend to follow where I have some growth, I have some dividends. I don't really go for the high, high yield stuff. But for me as an investor, someone who doesn't need money today, like I don't really care for a reliable passive income stream. It's great, don't get me wrong, but it's not my priority. My investments are constantly moving up and down with the markets. And there will be some years where we have a great year, markets are 20%, and there will be years like this year where we're down 15, 20%, sometimes possibly even worse. And the value of our entire pot of money essentially is moving up and down. That can be very hard to tap into. Let's assume I'm in a stage of life right now where I need income, like I need that reliable income each and every year, or I know I'm going to pay my bills with this, or I'm going to uh, essentially live off this money. Well. With that vol with the variance in returns, if I needed to say withdraw or peel money from my portfolio, it would be very, very volatile. I don't even look at it that way. As a long-term investor, I don't even think about touching my money for the next number of decades because I know over time it will get me such and such a return. But if I had to peel from that every year and then sometimes they're down, sometimes they're up, that doesn't really bode well for somebody who needs the cash today, which is why obviously having a uh, reliable and predictable passive income stream that is easy, easily forecastable is a pro number one of the passive income investing strategy. I think it's actually a major pro for the peace of mind uh, investor where you just know, hey, this is my money. I can use it. I can tap into it. Number two, I'm going to write here a very hands-off management style. It is literally baked into the name passive income investing. Like passive, if you want to look at it, is possibly the opposite of active where you're actively, you know, earning money or, or managing a portfolio. This is 
in my opinion, one of the most relaxed ways of investing. You can take such a hands-off approach, not to say that you can't take a passive uh, hands-off approach with other strategies. Like for example, if you're an index fund investor, let me backtrack. The one, the one strategy that if somebody went out and said, this is a strategy for everybody that is passable is if you just said buy uh, the index. If you said buy VFV or buy uh, you know your ETFs or index funds, that is wisdom that I think is applicable to the masses. But what I meant actually earlier in this presentation today was if someone tells you a specialized strategy such as this is for everybody, then they're wrong. But that just came to my mind. But not to say that you can't be a passive investor buying ETFs or even buying a portfolio of individual stocks. You can just keep dollar cost averaging and kind of doing your thing and automate a lot of that. But there is without a doubt a degree of monitoring or due diligence that is required when you manage, let's say a portfolio of individual stocks with more of a hybrid or growth strategy. I think on one end of the spectrum, let's say you're a growth investor. One of the trickiest parts for me as an investor, if I am in these higher growth names is let's say you buy a stock, it starts to run and you as you anticipate or you assume that, Hey, the stock is looking overheated. It's looking overvalued. I've made a nice hundred, 200% gain. Well, then the next question comes, do I sell? Do I let it ride? Do I take profits? understanding that you know some of these growth names tend to go up and down and you're essentially trying to capture the upside you're not trying to get too slammed on the downside that is something that does get factored in when you are playing the growth game with a hands-off strategy like passive income investing it is often looked at that you have this never sell mentality like you have this idea that i am going to buy and hold and never sell my stocks to the day that I die. One really great way to look at it is you're essentially building up this passive income stream and it's the income that you are monitoring. Like you're not even looking at the stocks per se as much. You still obviously are or the funds, but the value is less important. And when you jump in and out, you're just looking to build up that passive income stream. And I would say it is fair to say that it is a pretty significant strategy when it comes to hands-off management style because you are essentially looking never to sell I would give that a big positive for many people in life who maybe don't want to be staring at their stuff all day. They just want to kind of get a system going and just, uh, you know, let the passive nature of investing do its thing. Number three, this one I think is very key and one that you aren't going to hear about all too much. And I'm trying to give here the most unbiased, uh, you know, pros and cons because there are pros and there are cons. And then I will share with you my opinion at the very end, but here's a very good one that you're not going to hear about often. The income is yours today. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, I have to credit actually PPC Ian because just last week we did a session for our academy students and uh, he's the one that brought this up to me. He was talking about a book called The Income Factory, I think it was, where it actually promotes and talks very highly of this passive income investing strategy. And one of the you know, points that he made that never really uh, clicked with me until that moment was when you follow a strategy where you're generating high yields today, when that income hits your bank account, whether that be a four, 5% yield, a 7% distribution, a 10% yield from a company, that cash is in your hands to do whatever you want with. And that, that goes without saying, that's obvious. But you contrast that to, for example, a strategy where, you know, let's say, uh, you know, my strategy, for example, I buy a stock and I think it's at a value now, but the company still has to execute on such things. And 10 years from now, they have to grow their earnings by such and such amount. 
I don't see that payoff oftentimes for a number of years down the road. And there is a degree of uncertainty. There's a degree of, well, what may happen in five, 10 years? What may happen in our world 10 years from now? A lot has changed in the past few years, like literally just with COVID and with uh, the lockdowns and with everything, this recession, like there's a lot of uncertainty in the world in all aspects. And one of the pros of a high income strategy is that when that dollars hits your account today, that is yours. You can stash it under your mattress. You can go use it to pay for yourself. You can go buy yourself food versus with other strategies. You do have some belief. And again, I'm not trying to paint a doom and gloom picture. I believe that for the most part, we're investing is going to be fine. I strongly believe that, but there is a degree of, well, who knows what, what may happen. And at least with a strategy like mine, certain things have to fall in place. You know, there's, there's shoes to fill for these companies. They got to grow by such and such amount. The, the, you know, the nation has to continue prospering or we don't have to go into world war three, whatever it is. Well, world war three would probably even screw these companies up too. So I take that one back, but I hope you guys are getting what I'm saying there is it is a massive benefit to get money up front. These companies or funds that pay these seven, 8% yields, oftentimes they just have to maintain, like let's assume there's a there's an investment that spins you off a 7% yield. It just kind of has to hit maintenance to assure you that quarter after quarter, we're gonna get to your 7% yield. They don't have to grow a whole bunch of this. If we can afford a 7% yield, that's what you're getting, we're there today. Whereas a lot of other companies may have to actually grow into those shoes. And there is that element of uncertainty. Again, for the most part, it's going to be just fine. But that is one thing I would consider. One thing that I will point here, number four, I hope this is on screen. I'm just going to say here, um, outperform. So uh, OP in flat and bear markets. And this is uh, a generalization. This doesn't always, this is not always true. Because assuming, for example, as we're going to talk about with the cons, you know, these new funds sometimes incorporate leverage and there's sometimes some things that may not pan out uh, in a bear market. But in general, when you're looking at an income strategy, one of the pros is that even as the market is declining or, or uh, falling in value, oftentimes these reliable sources of income can provide a nice little boost in either flat markets as well as in many cases actually outperform a bear market. If your stocks are down um, you know, 30, 40% on the growth side versus somebody who's just been structuring their portfolio to spin them off income every quarter or every month through a tough period, very possible that these funds may outperform. Historically, it would be argued that these funds would do well in a flatter bear market. They would very likely underperform in a bull market. So in a bull market, it goes without saying the investor who's in growth and the one that's riding the, the, the momentum, if you will, those ones will outperform during those periods. But these are, are kind of, uh, uh, yeah, they do tend to outperform in, in, um, in a flat or bear market. So just a few things to consider there. Now, I want to move over to some of the cons. And here's where we go. This is where we get really, um, you know, we got to balance it out. We got to be fair. Number one, I'm going to put here probably the biggest one that people would consider. Well, maybe not consider, but one that has to be considered is the capital depreciation the value of your investment going down. This point alone is what I believe gives passive income investing the bad rep. And I have seen some videos out there, which you can go dig around for, where it bashes this style of investing because what a lot of investors will do is they will get sucked in by a nice attractive yield. They'll see the seven, eight, 9% yield and think that is just freaking awesome. They'll go buy it and the value of your investment will go down. 
capital depreciation. You understand what I'm saying when I say that, right? When I put in $100,000 into such and such fund, there's really at the end of the day, two ways that we can make money with that fund. The value or the capital that I put in my invested dollars can go up capital appreciation. Like the share price goes up. It goes from $100 per share or per unit up to 150. It could also go down. The other way is that we get we get rewarded in the form of dividends or distributions. So those would be the two. And oftentimes when the dividends or the distributions are so high, the actual value, your $100,000 that you invested will deteriorate. And I've seen, like I said, a lot of videos that do a lot of comparisons. We're actually gonna do that actually after this as a little bit of a pop quiz coming up soon. I guess that kind of defeats the purpose of a pop quiz. But yeah, capital depreciation is something that is often there when you move to these funds that prioritize income. Again, getting back to the name of this, <laughs> the, the idea of the strategy, sometimes that's what you, you, you know, that's the trade-off you make, but sometimes it can be very, very drastic as we will see in a moment. I promise we will come back to this, but we are gonna move on just for time's sake. Number two, I'm gonna put here subject to dividend cuts or eliminations. I'm just gonna put eliminations there. I talked about how this is a reliable and a predictable stream of income. And for the most part it is, especially when you're out buying blue chip investments that are quite reliable. But when you understand dividends and distributions, there is nothing on paper that guarantees that this money is going to be paid to you. It is not like a bond where there is a, there is a deal in place. Uh, it's not like a fixed income type investment where you are guaranteed such and such amount. Dividends are totally mandatory by the company. A company can cut the dividend. We've seen that with companies like Disney as of recently. Uh, they actually eliminated the dividend entirely, but you also have cases often where companies will cut the dividend, slash dividend by 33, 50%. And that can come to be quite stressful if you are somebody again that is currently living off that and you know your income gets from a particular investment gets slashed in half or eliminated entirely. Not so common because Stocks and funds that prioritize this do the best that they can to pick funds that are going to continue paying these, but it does happen. It is something to be aware about. Number three, this is, I don't believe a fair one to put on, but I'm going to put it on. Um, I'm gonna put here, need meaningful capital to make money. I, I don't agree with this, but I am gonna put it here. Meaningful amounts of capital, meaning, you know, if you are somebody that's a newer investor, let's say you're starting off with a thousand bucks, right? You're like, I wanna get my, you know, I want to get into the stock market. I'm going to put $1,000 into such and such stock and it's going to pay me a 7% yield. Well, do the math on that. 7% on a $1,000 investment is really not all that much. You probably look at the end of the year and be like, wow, I made 70 bucks, which is, uh, it, it, can be, uh, it can be demoralizing if you have the wrong perspective. Again, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that the same would be said with a, with a growth strategy where you have to start small. You have to start this, this snowball going. And that's really the fun part about investing is, is allowing your investments to compound over decades and decades and decades. And then those, those little, little dividends start to make a huge difference. But I will just say, you often do need a meaningful amounts of capital to get meaningful amounts of distributions. And there are cases, which we're gonna talk about in summary, where, you know, let's assume you come into an inheritance or let's assume you sell a home. Um, or you sold a business and you have this huge chunk of money, well then you invest it for a style like this and you are immediately pulling in very, very big dollar values, stuff that you can actually live on versus when you are getting started, you do have to get that snowball gearing up and that's gonna take you quite some time. But like I said, this isn't necessarily a fair bash on this. You need meaning amounts of capital in any type of investment. Um, even a strategy that I like to incorporate, like a growth or, or hybrid uh, strategy. So I am just gonna throw that there. 
Number four, this takes a little bit of uh, research into the specific funds. This is more or less uh, if you were investing in high income or passive income funds. I'm gonna put here types of distributions. This is without a doubt more of a niche con and may be applicable to certain types of funds, certain fund families, for example. But oftentimes, when you invest in a certain product that, that promises you, again, it's not a promise, but they are aiming to pay out nine, 10% yield on your dollars. And you think, wow, that's very attractive. There can be cases where the fund in and of itself doesn't generate that much money and that much income. That's very possible. The dividends, again, maybe got cut. Uh, maybe the market didn't perform as, as planned. And these funds, may not hit their target. Now, in many cases, what they do is they still opt to pay out that set target distribution, let's say seven, eight, nine, 10%. But the method of how the, of what type of cash they're distributing to you, you will come across cases where this return of capital is the term. ROC, you'll hear about, essentially what they're doing is they're kind of giving you your money back. They're taking dollars from the fund and giving it to you, not so much money that was earned, they're basically returning capital to investors. And this can have some caps, tax complications with funds that do see a high ROC number that actually lowers your cost basis. And again, depending on what account you're investing in, in a taxable account, that can result in you paying more capital gains. Again, this is more minute, but still something to consider when it does come to these high interest, uh, excuse me, high income funds. Number five, this is a good one. The unknown with newer funds. And I am making a bit of a generalization here because oftentimes, and I've seen this on Blossom, which is actually where, by the way, Blossom is down below, um, free to download in the app store. I see how many people that follow this passive income investing strategy opt for it via funds, which makes total sense. Going out and buying HDIF or HDIF, um, HYLD, whatever the funds may be. I, I think it's a fair generalization to say that in general, people like to uh, use funds for this because you're getting so diverse. And again, when you incorporate the covered call strategies, you kind of let the experts do their thing in that regard. But I see them everywhere. Like there's so many of them, which is actually why I'm making this video. There's even a little bit of drama over there uh, the past couple of weeks. For those on Blossom know exactly what I'm talking about, but uh, that was fun. Nevertheless, these funds are absolutely newer. It is a new thing at the end of the day, like a new product where all these companies are embedding covered calls into their funds. Yes, covered calls have been around for, for, for a long, long, long time, but all these big ETF providers are all trying to get their hands in the game. They're all kind of late to the party. They're FOMOing because they've seen success from the harvest of the world uh, or the Hamiltons, et cetera, et cetera. And now these big companies are like, well, we need to get our thing, uh, our hands in the pie our hands in the pot, whatever how, whatever that saying is. But um, these funds are newer at the end of the day. And that doesn't inherently mean that it is bad, but you often don't have the track record to look back and say, well, how do these leveraged and uh, you know options integrated funds perform in such and such markets? Again, you can speculate based on the, the nature of them and say they should be fine here, they should be fine here, but there is a degree of unknown that how would these funds perform in a very, very severe market crash? Potentially what we are in now. Again, who knows where the market is, but what I'm trying to say is that is a variable that you do have to consider as well, that um, there is an element of unknown. Again, I think it's fine, but there is that slight amount of risk, right? How they would perform during certain markets. What I am trying to get at, just starting with this pros and cons part of the video, is that there are both sides 
have very fair arguments. And when you see people making videos saying this their strategy sucks, well, yeah, there are there are reasons why they can say this. And when you see people that are literally living and breathing this strategy and living the lives that they want to live for them, for all of the positive things that it brings, well, then that's a very fair argument for this strategy. And I will reemphasize, there is no single strategy that works for everybody. It's about you weighing these pros and cons, assessing what is it in my life that I look for? Is it the hands-off nature? Is it this reliable income? Or is it not? Do I not need that at the time? And that can be a huge determining point of whether the strategy is for you or not, because there is things against our both sides. But I told you that we are gonna do a pop quiz, and I think this will be very, very fascinating and very, very telling, okay? I'm gonna pop up on the screen a couple things for you guys, okay? One quote that you're looking at is from a ticker lbs.to. It is Life and Bank Split Corp, a Canadian split corp fund. We're gonna compare that up to XIC, which is the iShares TSX Cap Composite Index. We could just look at that like essentially the Canadian market. So the broader Canadian market, we notice here a couple things. Um, well, quite obvious. Since 2006, which is the time frame I'm looking at, L, uh, L, LBS is down 39%. We do see a 13% yield. So again, attractive yield. They pay you 13% per year in dividends, but the but the actual value has dropped by 40% over this time frame, trading at $8.67 per share. Versus XIC, well, I just put a line here from the same time frame, 2006. This one has increased. This fund has gone up and to the right. It's earned 69% over this time frame. If I were to ask you which is the better investment, which fund is the better fund to buy, the ETF or the split corp? Well, you can leave your comments down below. I think a lot of people would lean to this fund that goes up and to the right, XIC, just based on visuals and based on a top level glance. Actually, LBS has outperformed XIC by nearly double, okay? This is a total return that we're looking at. So not just looking at the value, again, the capital depreciation, which does go up and down, but the total return. If you took all these dividends and you reinvested them, you took all the cash, regardless of how it was distributed to you, whether it was retained in share value or it was kicked out to you via dividends, LBS has actually significantly outperformed the TSX, XIC, over this time period. But that's something that you don't see at first glance. I use this example to illustrate to you the positives of passive income investing where it can be beneficial. This is one where the passive income investing strategy, taking those dividends and looking at the total return has worked severely in your favor. Now you could find a number of funds as well where the exact opposite is true and where the total return has underperformed such and such benchmark or such and such index. I just think that that was a very fascinating example because you always hear the hate that you hear is that, oh, well, if my shares are going down, you know, 30, 40, 50, 70%, why would I ever want that? Well, if you're receiving enough dividends to outpace that, and again, the math, it literally comes down to a math crunching thing of capital returns. There's another thing that we'll talk about after this, but you do the math and sometimes it will work in your favor. Sometimes it's not. That's where it goes into doing your research and due diligence. But if you found that um, interesting, that comparison, give this video a big thumbs up. But before we move on, I do just wanna say a quick thank you from our sponsor today, NEO. NEO is a digital alternative to the major financial institutions in Canada, created by the founders of Skip the Dishes, offering a wide variety of financial products. 
But today we're focusing on the no annual fee cashback Neo MasterCard. With the Neo Cashback MasterCard, you can get an average of 5% cashback over 7,000 Neo partners across Canada, like Netflix, Spotify, Walmart, Petro Canada, and more. They also have a guaranteed 1% cashback across all of your spending. Whether you're into travel, food, staying fit, you can now add perks to your Neo credit card on a flexible subscription-based plan with no commitments. With the new perks feature, you can get up to eight times the value when shopping at companies to the monthly subscription cost. If you're interested in trying out the Neo perks and the Neo Cashback MasterCard, you can also receive a $50 credit and 15% cashback on your first purchase using the link down below. Thank you to Neo for sponsoring today's video. Now back to the video. I'm picking up where we left off. We just talked about how the capital depreciation is a major consideration and you need to look at the total return for each specific investment or fund that you look at and then weigh that. And again, the example we gave was for passive income investing. You could find many that are opposing this strategy, but there are also more things to consider. I would say possibly equally as important, if not more than simply the math. And just to go over a few of those now, let's talk about lifestyle considerations. Question that I would pose to you is you look at somebody like Adriano, the passive income investing channel, who literally, as I'm filming this, is in Panama, living abroad, on the beach, enjoying life. Him and his wife are out there living the good life, not tied to any big city. They're factoring in, uh, they're leveraging geo arbitrage where it's a, you know, a cheaper country and their dollars go a long, much further away. They're kind of just going with the wind. Again, I could be very wrong here, but that's just what I see, you know, looking in. That is a huge consideration. Is that something you want to do with your life? I'm not sure if they have plans for kids. I haven't asked them. I'm not sure if they, if that's on the horizon or they just plan to travel and just enjoy life, the two of them. These are all big things to consider because if that's the case and you are somebody who, let's say doesn't wanna have kids, you know, I have a daughter, right? And I'm already starting to think about this stuff, even though she's, you know, less than one year old. At some point down the road, like when she's older, I would like to very, obviously I wanna provide for her all the way along the way, but I also very much want to, you know, pass money down to her. I want to take what I've built throughout my life and my career and my assets and have money for her and m m multiple other kids that may be coming in the future. That's a huge objective for me, right? I actually very much like being, you know, here in Richmond. This is where I grew up and this is where my friends are and this is where, you know, I'm, I, I like to go to the same gym and do the same thing. I like being kind of in one spot. I like kind of setting up a base here and hopefully raise our family here. Who knows where the world may take us, but I'm comparing myself to Adriano. We, we may be two completely different people with two completely different purposes. And as much as I'd love to go travel the world and you know jet out to, to, to Panama or to Mexico or to Thailand, whatever the case is, that's just not realistic for me right now, given my life, my lifestyle. I don't know where my daughter would go to school. I don't know, it's, it, 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 that's not happening, right? And again, one of my big goals is I wanna pass money down to her when I'm older. Well, with those considerations in mind, the passive income investing strategy probably doesn't make the most sense for me. Again, if you talk about capital depreciation as a whole, Adriano's goal is to just build up as much passive income as he can, never sell his investments. He doesn't really care if his investments go from a million dollars to 750 to 500K to 200,000. If his income 
is reliable and his income is is flooding in through the door, right? He's essentially buying an income stream. Well, what happens then when you want to get older? You can pass that down, don't get me wrong. You can actually pass assets down. But if I wanted to leave a big inheritance, for example, my daughter, I would probably want a nice big asset pool that I could peel from. I could say, you get this, you get this. You were a good son, you were a bad son. You know, you get more and I don't know how that will work. But um, case in point being is that this is less favorable for me, especially somebody that wants to be here. If you plan to travel abroad and you want to do that, having a reliable income stream can be a very, very big thing. Again, that's just one consideration when it comes to lifestyle. I would also say age matters a lot too. And I do think that dividends are great for all ages. Again, I don't want to say every investment style is good for everybody, but if I had to lean one way, not to contradict myself, I think dividends are, are for almost everybody because dividends are great but like solely focusing on like high income, passive income, I would argue that this suits older investors. And Adriano is one that, you know, proves me wrong in this case because he wants to take his money and then redeploy it and constantly reinvest and constantly build up those streams. But I would say as a rule of thumb, when you are older, this strategy suits you significantly better than when you are younger. And I think that's quite clear when you look at the demographic of who is drawn into these uh, harvest funds and who is drawn into these covered call funds by BMO, for example, it is the older demographic. I'll give you an example. My mother actually just sold her home. So she sold her home that she'd be living in for years. She had a bunch of equity in the home, downsized. She was there all by herself and, um, you know, was left with a big, big chunk of money, right? Um, big dollar figure, you know, that just landed in her account. And she's coming on the age of, of 60 or so, like probably around age 60. Well, for someone like her who does not no longer work, she has no income coming in, like she doesn't have an active job that she's you know paying for her life with, a very logical step for someone like that is to take an income strategy, put that into some investments where it can buy you income for the rest of your life. And again, the priority there of whether you wanna pass money down or whether you wanna grow that uh, you know in a balanced fashion, that's up to you. But what I'm trying to get at is when you come into a big chunk of money and income is what you need because you no longer have a job and because you need cash to live on, leaning towards a strategy like this can make so much sense. Versus for example, a lower investor, again, like to kind of summarize where I feel into this, I don't like the fact that when someone hears passive income investing, they automatically think bad. Because again, it's it can be, but it also cannot be. It could be good for the right type of person I think that a lot of people that just generalize because they saw one video about this, um, that's very, very wrong. I think in general, to summarize, total return, we always need to look at. Whatever investment we look at, when we are comparing this to like a normal fund, we want to see whether it's coming in the form of dividends or distributions or whether it's the form of capital appreciation, what is this investment going to return me? That is number one, because if it's terrible, from that standpoint, then I cross it off in general. But the second consideration, which we just touched on, is as a DIY investor, take a lot of time and consideration into finding out what your lifestyle and what you want out of your investments before you even pick a strategy. Because if certain things that I talked about resonated with you today, like you know having that reliable stream of income, those Excel spreadsheets that I know every month I'm getting 10 or every year I'm getting 10K worth of dividends, and that's what I want, I could be happy with that. I'm gonna live frugally. I know my expenses are low and this is what I what I want. I wanna be free from that, that thing. I wanna stop working at such and such age. Well then very much so, the passive income investing strategy makes a ton of sense. I very much like the idea, the concept, 
that passive income investors buy into, which is that I'm never going to sell. Like I'm literally buying an income stream for the rest of my life. I love that. And you essentially put the, you put the value of your investment out of the picture. Like you, you don't care if your investment is fluctuating by 10, 15% this month or this year, because actually the metric that you're tracking rather than the total value is the income. And the goal is that if you're picking good investments and good funds, that should grow and snowball every single month. And in a number of years, in maybe a decade or so plus, you really start to see that make a difference. I love that. For me personally, as a younger person, Again, I'm not in a position where I want to buy into this strategy and even reinvest all the dividends. I have no need for cash today. I love my strategy of a hybrid investor, which is dividend focused, but I still sprinkle in the growth. I still sprinkle in, you know, my, 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 my objective with my portfolio is to grow the dollar value while receiving dividends along the way. I don't think it has to be all or none, but again, that's for me and my, my life. And I have goals to pass this down to my kids. I don't really care to go out and um, you know be a, a nomad, or, or nomad's probably not the right word, but to go travel uh, abroad and, and live off such and such. Um, it's just, everybody's different. And I hope that I display that to you guys well in every single video, that even when we talk about stocks to buy or whatever it is, there's never one perfect stock to buy. There's never one perfect this. Investing is like, like that example I gave earlier with food and your diet. There's so many good options to choose from, but for certain people, some can make a lot more sense than others. If you guys enjoyed today's video, please take a moment and give it a big thumbs up. Make sure you are subscribed if you aren't already subscribed to the channel. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions down in the comment section below. I know there is going to be a lot of opinions on this. So I read all the comments. So do please leave a comment down below. Are you for the style of investing? Are you against this style of investing? Did I do a good job of weighing the pros and cons fairly or was this biased you guys can let me know i did the best that i could for sure but i just kind of want to get the information out there and let you guys make your own uh, best and in, best informed decisions but with that said i will wrap it up thank you again to neo for sponsoring today's video if you guys are in the market for courses and training of course as always check out the investing academy that is that first link down below where we teach canadians all over the country about the stock market starting from scratch we cover passive income investing but actually we want to give you all the options and then you make the, the decision that, that works best for you. We don't push a specific uh, option because again, everybody's different and every single person in our academy, we have 80 year olds, we have 20, 20 year olds. We have a freaking 12 year old, I believe it is, or a 14 year old in our academy. Kid you not. And that's a story in and of itself. But um, yeah, Oliver, shout out Oliver if you're watching. Uh, about a month or so back, bright bright kid um for real and uh i remember the well i wasn't on the discussion but darwin and he's just filling me in afterwards he says i think you're a little too young to be you know making a decision this big to join a big program like this and he said go go talk to your mom and the kid talked to his mom the mom got on the phone and they were adamant as a family that they wanted to do this and i said good for them um learning at such a young young age and just the eager 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 beaver and uh, of course, with his mom's approval, they joined. And, and like I said, we work with everybody. And, and a 12-year-old, uh, that's obviously extreme, but a young person invests very differently than an 80-year-old, right? And that's kind of the whole point of this is there's so many avenues in DIY investing that you can take. But as a DIY investor, the onus is on you to find out what is going to work, what works with your lifestyle. And I hope that this video was helpful. As always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed. And I'll see you in the next video.